Hey guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Amanda. And this right here is Allegedly. so glad you're joining us and would love to grow the Allegedly family. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching Allegedly TCP. Our website link can be found on any of our social media or in the show notes below. You can email us at allegedlytruecrime at yahoo.com. Also, please rate, review, or share this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Oh, hey. Hey. Hey, you. Hey. It's like I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah. We, um... We had an interesting night, y'all. It's been a night. We just got done with Hinter Kaifek. And we recorded that at Ashley's. And now we're at mine. Recording episode eight for the following week because Amanda's going to be going on vacation and um, won't be here. So we have to record to still get you guys content. Yeah. So we are doing a new case in a new location. I think we've recorded at your house one other time. Yeah, we did. But that's not when we had... We didn't have the microphone. We didn't have the microphone and... You know how I have anxiety of, like, switching things. Y'all, we got finished with dinner. We went outside. I don't know why I'm saying y'all. We aren't from Texas. (laughs) Anyway. I say y'all. I say it all the time. Um, Down in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, we used to say yuns. I don't think that's a New York thing. I don't like that. That sounds uh, like you're talking to onions. Yeah. um, But anyways, we finished dinner, and we went outside to get the stuff, microphone and stuff out of Ashley's car. And she's like, this isn't me just having a full-on panic attack. Yeah. Over a calendar that's made up of just Fridays. For the podcast. It has to do with the podcast. Because this is... Here's why. (laughs) Stay with me. Because this wasn't the case I was just going right. to do after Hinter had, She had a different case listed on the calendar, and now we're changing it. So now she... But I can't re- go back and erase it because I did it in pen. I don't like pencil. And she does not like white out. And I don't like white out. I don't like crossing it out, and that's going to make a mess. So now I have to remake the whole calendar, which I made by myself. And it's a thing now that's just going to have to be done. And she's going to think about this, y'all, until she completely... I might have to fix it all tomorrow, but I ain't going to have time. This is going to be far too much for me to handle. So I'm going to tell you first, Amanda, mm-hmm. we didn't, we, we went through all of our talk for Hinter Kaifek, Yeah. but I didn't tell you that I listened to the people in my inner ear, my friends, if you will. And as I was listening to them. She's not ear, crazy, y'all. She's talking about podcasts. I am talking <laughs> about Ash and Elena from Morbid. You know them, right? Yes. Not personally, but sort of. Well, I feel, well, like, I feel I like I know them. Yeah. We would be super awesome friends, all of us. And they live in Massachusetts, which I love me some Boston. So <laughs> in Salem, don't you just, I'm going to go there for Halloween. <gasps> Can we do that? With Ash and Elena. Can we do that? <gasps> Ash and Elena. Ash and Elena. Contact us. Please. Please. Thank you. We love you, and we would love everything about that. Yes. But you know Elena wrote a book? No. Elena wrote a book called The Butcher and the Wren. Oh, I like the title. I The cover is amazing, and I bought it. It's on pre-order. I pre-ordered it, and it will be released September 13th. Don't you love everything about the 13th? I love me everything yeah. about the 13th. I love that she wrote a book because I love Elena. It's going to be super good. I love that she has decided to write because I love writing. I have my own book coming out in November. It's not a novel like Elena's, but 
you know, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's your third. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it is. You guys can find Ashley's stuff on Amazon under A.B. Vincent. Yeah, this, I highly suggest it. This book is going to be different. It's definitely going to be murderous stories. It's going to be a bunch of stories. A lot of them are murderous. Not all of them, but it's called Broken Things. So, you know, murderous is... Did you pick art yet for the covers and stuff? For the cover? I do have a cover. Yeah, I'll have to show did it to you. Did you already show it to me? I don't I know. you did. I can show it to you after this. Okay. But at any rate, go pre-order Elena's book, The Butcher and the Wren. I got mine on Amazon. If you go to Morbid, a true crime podcast, if you go look them up, Morbid Podcast, they put the link out there all the time because who's not excited? I mean, I am. I'm going to have to go look at it now because I did not, I did not know that she had a book. Absolutely. So I pre-ordered mine. Go pre-order yours. Uh, That's a great story. Can we talk about murder now? how cute was that i love it i love everything about that that's just a little friend of ours that was such a good idea when you got that idea i'm so excited we actually i have a a sign that i made with landon's handprint looking like blood so we're not supposed to be talking anymore because we're supposed to get into the story just like she said yes so we are talking today about hannah up (laughs) up I say it like that because a lot of people aren't sure if up is her last name, but I don't know how else you would say it. It's what? UPP. Ooh, we pee pee. It's UPP. It's Hannah up. and then UPP. So I think it's just up. Up. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think so. So I initially heard of this story one morning at 5 a.m. Oh, that's when she wakes up. Yeah, I think I woke up that day at like 4.30 just because my body was like, hey, let's get up. My body doesn't ever say that. My body does. I was going through my normal routine, getting ready for work. And my normal routine consists of, usually I'm laying in bed for like 0.5 seconds. I quickly check Facebook, quickly check TikTok. And then I get up and I'll go into YouTube and either find podcasts to watch or shows, you know, Fatal Attraction, things like that. This was TikTok. I opened TikTok and instantly saw a video by Avery After Dark about this case. Oh. And so she'll take a case and she'll do like a three-minute segment on TikTok, which is something we've been asked to do. And I just don't know if I have much more time in my life at the moment. Who too. asked to do that? There's, James? There's a few, yeah, James was one of them. He's like, oh, you could totally do that. And I think Josh even mentioned it. And a few other people <laughs> were like, oh, are you going to do something? Because I do TikTok. Yes, you do. You have quite a following on TikTok. And I think that's why I've been asked to do it, because they think that then more people hear about allegedly because I have such a following. We're not, I'm not doing that yet. But Avery After Dark is amazing. And this popped up one morning and I was like, what is this case I have never heard about? So as soon as I saw this three minute video, I had to go find out more. As I was getting ready, I went and started listening to podcasts so that, because I knew I wanted to cover this instantly. It hooked me. Now I'm like listening to podcasts, watching some documentaries. So there is a documentary on A&E called Vanished in Paradise, The Untold Story. And a friend of Hannah's named Maggie said this, we did Zumba together. We worked together. We cooked meals together, went to concerts together, did trips together. We were very close. And I think for the most part, she loved living in St. Thomas. There are a lot of good things about living there. She loved her job at the school. It was something she was really passionate about concerning her life on the island. She also loved going on boat trips, swimming, snorkeling, just being in the ocean. She just loved living on the island. Even deeper, who is Hannah up? Hannah was born November 29th, 1984. So only, what, a year older than us? Yeah. Well, 
Not even, because we were born in March. March. So, just... To Barbara and David, along with her brother Dan, she was raised in Salem, Oregon. Oregon? Oregon? Or Oregon? It's Oregon. It was always Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Oh my god, you're so right. It was the Oregon Trail. But it's Oregon. But it's Oregon. But it's not like the organ in your body, because that's spelled differently, and English sucks. Okay, we'll just... Yep, keep moving. English is hard. Both parents were Methodist ministers in the area up until about 1999 when they got divorced, when Hannah was 15. Her father then moved across the world to preach to native tribes in Africa and Southeast Asia. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a... That's a... That's rough. That's a divorce. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. However, growing up with her parents in a very conservative Christian home, Hannah struggled with who she was. It was said in the New Yorker that her father, David, was strict and believed, quote, this is a quote from her dad, not us. There is no such human as a natural homosexual. What? Um, I mean, I understand. I understand. But, but I, I don't understand. Yeah. So that's, that's his quote. Obviously, her father did not believe people are born that way and made it very known. Imagine his surprise when his daughter was in her third year of college at Bryn Mawr in Philadelphia. Do you like how I said it right this time instead of when we were? I'm so proud of you. Because I now know what it is. Yep. Thanks to our first episode. Ira. Well, Ira didn't go there, but Holly did. Holly did, yeah. Hannah over here began dating a woman. So. Daddy wasn't happy, was he? I imagine not. Yeah. In 2007, after graduating from Bryn Mawr, she began teaching Spanish to more than 200 7th and 8th graders at Thurgood Marshall Academy, all while studying for a master's degree in education at Pace University. Oh, wow. So this is where our story begins. I think you, Amanda, can attest to this, but one thing that people in my circle know about me is that I do not run. And I usually always use the Bible verse Proverbs 28.1 to justify as to why I don't, because that verse loosely states, only the wicked run when nothing is chasing them. And then I usually follow it up by saying, I am not wicked, so I do not run. (laughs) And that is one thing my friends all know about me. And if, if, if I'm running... You better run too. I've been kidnapped and made to run. However, a lot of people do run. Do you run, Amanda? I used to run. Yeah, I don't. I was a runner. I don't run. I don't. My son Landon's, he, he's going to be a runner. There's no other way around it. I can see that. Hannah Up was one of those people. She was a runner? She was a runner. On August 28th, 2008, that is exactly what the then 23-year-old Hannah was doing. She went for a morning run on Riverside Drive in Hamilton Heights before work. So this is in New York City. That was when she was never seen again. What? Yeah, we're just jumping right into the deep end here. Yep. At least not for a few weeks. Just as any person would when going for a run and expecting to return home, she left behind all of her belongings, including her wallet, passport, metro card, cell phone, and her purse. Because nobody's taking those on a morning run. I mean, maybe your cell phone. Well, it was 2008. Did they have attachments for your arms and whatnot then? Yeah, they did. They didn't? They did. Maybe she just was like, no, I want my piece. Nowadays, nobody is caught like dead without their cell phone. True. Because they're listening to music or whatever. Or in my case, a podcast. Yeah, my, my case too. However, I do want to point out an interesting fact. A few days before this, Hannah stopped using her cell phone. Like she was not answering texts or calls. Just wasn't doing it. So initially, the detectives looking for Hannah thought she had been murdered. I mean, we're in New York City. So She's I mean, now kidnapped. Yeah. None of her stuff is gone. Yeah. So that was, of course, until 
After flyers littered the city, someone saw a woman in an Apple store on Fifth Avenue who looked just like the missing Hannah. Hannah was wearing a sports bra and shorts with her hair pulled back and a ponytail, which essentially is what I imagine you would wear if you're going running. So Hannah seemed to be trying to check her email and trying to log into her accounts. So the person who saw her approached Hannah and asked, quote, are you the Hannah everyone's looking for? And Hannah simply just answered no. And then just up and left, just up and left the store. So she just doesn't want to be found. Yeah. So now, depending on what source you're going by, the person who saw Hannah at the store varies. It is either a stranger who saw the missing posters or an old acquaintance. Here's where I am, in my opinion. Hannah's friends and family littered New York City with the posters. Okay. So it's possible that a stranger saw Hannah's face on every single light pole and then saw the woman in the store and said, without a doubt to to themselves, that's the same girl. I'm unsure if I'd been in their shoes, whether I would have just approached someone that I didn't know and ask them if it's them, you know, just be like, are you the missing person? You don't want to startle them. You don't know them. They just call the tip line. Right. So, or they could just call the police or whatever. Right. That's normally what it says. Yeah. I would probably call the police. Yeah. However, if it's an old acquaintance, then I would ask how old of an acquaintance has Hannah changed so much that they had a question it that way. Right. I agree. Has this person not seen the posters for an updated photo? I find the way that they worded the question was so odd. And it sounded more like it was coming from a stranger who didn't yeah. know her. Yeah. But people talk differently. As I said, English is hard. Had it been someone she once knew, I feel like they would have like approached the question differently. Like just, hey, aren't you Hannah? Not are you the girl well, Hannah, Hannah that they're looking, for? looking yeah. for? Yeah. So in an article called A Life interrupted written by rebecca flint marks and a person that i cannot even try to say their name at all what's Uh, that amanda vitinas did zelius sure sounds good um (laughs) our apologies to you yep vitinas Uh, But they wrote it for the New York Times in 2009, and it states, It was as if the city had simply opened up wide and swallowed her whole. Until she was seen on a security camera at the Midtown Apple Store checking her email, and then she vanished again. And then she reappeared. Not only at the Apple Store, but also at a Starbucks and several New York sports clubs, where news reports said she went to shower. Was she trying to reinvent herself as somebody else, or...? Isn't it weird? Yes. So, it seemed that Hannah was traveling all over the city, like, literally, all over the city, and being seen and noticed, but yet somehow being hidden from her friends, family, and authorities, lost in the crowds. Now, I've never been to New York City, have you? Yes. Okay, I have not. It's very easy to be lost. I That's what I imagine. I mean, I've seen it in movies, and I know it can be exaggerated, but I'm pretty no, sure that is. it's just like that. Okay. Yep. So, but I mean, they're all looking for her. And you've plastered the city with, so now you've got strangers looking for her too. It's so weird how she just did that. Where is she getting money for Starbucks if she left all of her belongings? She have a secret bank account we don't know about? I don't know. However, it wasn't until September 16th, 2008, which was 19 days since she had initially gone missing, that Hannah had been found. About 11.50 a.m., Staten Island ferry boat driver Christopher Covella saw a body floating face down near Robin's Reef. For those who could use a little visual, all right, which is me because I don't know the area. It's located just south of the Statue of Liberty. Okay. 
She had been wearing red running shorts as well as a black sports bra. When Hannah's body was pulled from the water with the help of the crew aboard of the ferry, they were surprised to hear her gasp. <gasps> she was alive. Yep. It was flabbergasting to find that Hannah was alive and intact. Although she was confused, distressed, and suffering from dehydration, sunburn, and hypothermia. She was transported to Richmond University Medical Center in Staten Island Hospital, where she could not give any answers as to where she had been for the past two and a half weeks. She had no idea. She had no idea. Like, literally had no idea? Or, like, she's just saying she doesn't know? She had no idea is what is stated. People were, like, they didn't even question. She had no idea where she's been. (gasps) Months later, she said this. I went from going for a run to being in an ambulance. It was like 10 minutes had passed, but it was really almost three weeks. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? No. Being missing for almost three weeks and all she knew was she was, was running like, and then woke up in an ambulance. No. How does that happen? I, did she like have like a seizure or something? Good and question. Like forgot? Here's how that happened. The hospital found that Hannah had a rare form of amnesia called dissociative fugue, also known as the Jason Bourne affliction. How rare is it? Well, according to the Cleveland Clinic, only about 1.8% of the population are inflicted with it. Oh my gosh. And much more common in females. WebMD states, dissociative fugue, formerly called psychogenic fugue, is one of a group of conditions called dissociative disorders. The word fugue comes from the Latin word for flight. People with disassociative fugue temporarily lose their sense of personal identity and impulsively wander or travel away from their homes or places of work. They often become confused about who they are, and they might even create new identities. Outwardly, people with this disorder show no signs of illness, such as a strange appearance or odd behavior. Dissociative disorders are mental illnesses that involve disruptions or breakdowns of memory, conscious awareness, identity, and or perception. When one or more of these functions is disrupted, symptoms can result. These symptoms can interfere with a person's general functioning, including social and work activities and relationships. Does that explain it a little bit more for you? It does. Yeah, so she just randomly, and she didn't know she had this. So it's actually most famous sufferer is a fictional character, Jason Bourne. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, you are. He's the secret agent made flesh on film by Matt Damon. The Bourne character takes his name from Ansel Bourne, a Rhode Island preacher who suffered the earliest recorded case of the condition when he was en route to Providence in 1887. The preacher continued to Norristown, Pennsylvania, where he opened a store and lived with another family until one day he just woke up. So this is what Hannah has. So sidebar, we're going to take a little journey and talk about some of the other people who have had the same condition. I didn't even know it was a real thing. I thought that was like a made-up thing for the movie. It's crazy. Well, that's because it's so rare. 1.8% of the population? That's bananas. <laughs> yeah. So according to good old Wikipedia, Shirley Ardell Mason, also known as Sybil, would disappear and then reappear with no recollection of what happened during the time span. She recalled being here and then not here and having no identity of herself. It was claimed by her psychiatrist, 
Cornelia Wilbur that she also had dissociative identity disorder. Jody Roberts, a reporter for the Tacoma News Tribune, uh, disappeared in 1985, only to be found 12 years later oh my God. in Sitka, Alaska. How the heck did she get from Tacoma? Well, that's not really that far, actually. Washington State from Alaska. Tacoma, Washington. Is it Tacoma, Washington? Yeah. To Alaska? She had to go all the way through Canada. No, it's not that. It's not as far as I think you think. Well, she was living under a new name. Oh, my God. Of Jane D. Williams. While there were some initial suspicions that she had been faking amnesia, some experts have come to believe that she genuinely experienced a protracted fugue state. David Fritz Patrick, who had disassociative fugue disorder, was profiled in the UK on Five's television series, Extraordinary People. He entered a fugue state on December 4th, 2005, and was working on regaining his entire life's memories at the time of his appearance in this episode. Jeff Ingram appeared in Denver in 2006 with no memory of his name or where he was from. After his appearance on national television to appeal for help to identify himself, his fiance called Denver police to identify him. He was diagnosed in the episode as dissociative fugue. And then as of December 2012, he had experienced three more incidents of amnesia. 1994, 2006, and 2007. Doug Bruce, they they put it in quotes, came to, woke up, Mm -hmm. on a subway train claiming to have no memory of his name or where he was from, nor any documents of identification on him. So those are just some people with us. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? That blows my mind. It's terrifying almost. It's it's terrifying almost. And but I'm not to equate it to the same, but I don't know if you remember um, a few years back, so I get super bad migraines. Yes, I know. So do you remember the super bad migraine? I think it was in two thousand eighteen and I I had felt like I had gotten hit in the back of the head with like a bat and I went into a migraine and I spent all night taking a bath to the point where like my family was checking on me but I have to be in a completely dark room and at the time my bathroom was the only place without a window the next day I still was in a migraine state but I went through my entire day normal so I wasn't totally experiencing the migraine it wasn't there I was in a migraine state I ended up in the hospital that day and they ended up calling CPS on me because I was actually having a brain seizure, which is apparently what happens to me now. My migraines are so bad, it's blacking (laughs) out my brain. So I don't remember doing activities. And the reason they called CPS is because I went and picked up my son. I had my daughter in the car with me as I was going grocery shopping, going to do things. So like they went and talked to my daughter at school and they're like, no, she was completely fine. She was singing along in the car. She was upset because I was getting pictures made at CVS, I guess. And the printers weren't working, so I had to go across town. Apparently, I needed these pictures. Desperately. Yeah. So I was mad, and then I had to go pick up Landon. And I woke up the following morning. And you were like, what the heck? And I knew I had gone grocery shopping because I had groceries. But I don't remember doing any of it. So when I'm in the... I do remember this. Yeah. So when I was saying that, so they did all these tests on me in the hospital, and they're like your brain goes into blackouts. And so it's like, it's a seizure, but only for your brain, and it's not affecting you at all. Oh my God, that's so weird that the human body can just do stuff like that. Yeah, and it's because I get such bad migraines. And it still happens. 
I'm just trying to control my migraines. So I had to get like prescription sunglasses because I can't wear contacts. And so I'm like trying everything to just not get migraines because I can end up sending my brain into a seizure and I don't even know what's happening until I wake up and I don't remember anything that's happened. Oh my gosh. So I don't think that's, that's not the same thing as this, but I still don't know what I've done. It's scary. It's terrifying. And then, you know, Tara's like, oh, yeah, no, we did all this. And I'm like, excuse me? I don't remember doing any of that. But apparently I'm fine during the entire thing, just kind of like this. She's not showing any symptoms of anything. So Hannah has been trying to make sense of her disappearance as well. With the help of her doctors, she had been trying to piece it all together. Because remember, she was out for a run and then woke up in an ambulance. And she thought it had only been 10 minutes, three weeks almost. So as for the Apple store sighting and being approached by the person asking who she was, turns out the question to the identity of that person is simpler than we both thought earlier. It was a fellow Pace student. Remember, she's yeah. in college she's to do her that. Master's for there. Yeah. yeah. So it was a recent acquaintance. In an interview, Hannah said, I was on a computer, but there's no evidence in my Gmail account of any emails being sent or read. So she was in her account, just not doing anything. It turns out she did log into the accounts of hers. And some people are like, well, how did she know that? How many times? Yes, because she could just like not know how she knows that information. She just knew it. Right. It's almost like, like you knew how to drive your car. Correct. But you didn't know you were driving your car. Correct. So sometimes we've been doing things so much that it's almost just second nature. Yeah. Almost like when we drive somewhere. Yeah. And we zone out, but we're still going the same route that we always do. We'll be going to take Ryan to travel across, and Matt will be like in the lane to get off to go to work, and I'm like, babe, what are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? Oh, sorry, sorry. It's just uh, it's habit. It's habit. Yep. Yep. So. The doctors say it's because of muscle memory. Hmm. It's it's just muscle memory that makes you do it. So their theory is what Hannah said, is that I thought, hey, this is a computer. This is what I do with a computer. Yeah. But once she opened her email, she couldn't figure out who Hannah was and why everyone was looking for her. So she said, so I logged off and left. She couldn't figure out. Yeah, Yeah. probably. It just probably was like, (laughs) all right. As for the Pace student that approached her, Hannah does not remember that at all. She does not remember that. Luckily, it was caught on security cameras, the whole exchange. But she does not recall any of that. So how do we know that Hannah was walking around most of the time? There's cameras all over me. Other than the sightings. uh, Turns out the biggest clue was a huge blister on the heel of her foot. Like, huge. And... Now, the doctors and Hannah, who are piecing this together, are wondering, well, maybe that's why she ended up in the water. Because she was sick of walking and it hurt. So she got into the water to relieve that. Makes sense. But how did she get into the water? Local newspapers said that she jumped off the Staten Island Pier in a suicide attempt, of course. Because, you know, without the dramatics, what would we have? The reality, though, is much simpler with the with the help from Captain Cavella, which is the guy who helped rescue her. She determined Ferry driver. Right. Okay. She determined that it would have been impossible for her to jump off the pier and swim against the current to the spot where she was rescued. Yeah. 
So instead, she believes she left Manhattan from the Chelsea Pier and the kayak dock where she once attended a 9-11 memorial. She had been there before. So in her state, she was like, oh, I've seen this before. Into the water I go. From there, she believes she swam for several hours. Until she made it to where she was found in the water. She believes that she spent the next day sitting on the rocks, around the lighthouse, which would account for her sunburn. Yeah. She remained on the island until she returned into the water around 11 the following morning before being rescued less than an hour later. So Hannah continued to have questions, and I cannot even imagine. Like, this is traumatic, I would. Yes. She's missing, like... Two and a half weeks of her life, she's probably like, what the hell was I doing in this time? Yeah. How many people saw me? What, what did I do? Right. Yeah. So this is a big question for her. If Fugue normally is triggered by something, what was the trigger for her episode? Right, because this happened during a run, which a run is supposed to be cleansing and therapeutic and right. relaxing. Right. So... Unfortunately, that question may never be answered. Yeah, she may never you know. may never know. Hannah had stated that she took this experience as a lesson to slow down. Maybe her life was just too fast. Maybe she was too stressed. And she's just used to that stress that it just broke her. Yeah. You know? It, and that could be it. This, she also said this. My roommates and I have a code word now to show that I'm not going into fugue again. My roommate had done this long interview with ABC, and the only thing they ended up printing was that I was a friendly vegetarian who likes to try new dishes. So if I didn't get home one night, they'll text me something like, friendly vegetarian, and I'll say, who likes to try new dishes? And that way we both know we're on the same page, which is totally smart. I mean, yeah. It, I, it, it's insane to me that they came up with something so simple. I feel like you and I should have something like that just to make sure we're both okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how if I were to text you back something and I just said the letter K? Yeah, no, you don't say that. You know I'm pissed. Yeah. And I think it's the same for you. Like, yeah. we don't we don't, don't say, say that. that. The so, only person I would say that to is my husband because he doesn't get it. He, he uses that one letters yeah, for well, some Yeah. Well, I think I think it's smart to just have those those code words. I think James and I were talking about coming up with one because I get anxiety super easily and I really hate <clears throat> confrontation. Me too. So sometimes if I'm bringing up a hard topic or he's bringing up a hard topic and I want to abort the mission of talking because I'm better at writing things out. Same. He's like, let's have a code word that you're starting to get to the point where you need either like a break or this is a topic that we need to somehow decide. That's such a good idea. I should have that with my husband. Yeah. Because like if we do get into like little arguments, he's the kind where he just needs to be left alone for a little bit. And I'm the one that needs, I need to talk through everything so I can get the bottom of it. Right. So, I mean, code words are always good. So if he's like, if, if he's in like. Okay, this is a red area. He's red. Like, he, he's in an anxiety right now. He could just say orange to you. Yeah. Or apple. And you know, okay. Oh. All right, everybody. Yep. Let's leave dad alone. I we are in apple mode. I Let's. think, why 16 years of marriage? Why have I never thought that? And I think it's good for teenagers. It'll be definitely good for your girls. 
What are you trying to say? I, I'm <laughs> saying that I experienced a lot tonight that I tried very hard to refrain from saying anything. I'm telling you right now, boys are so much easier. I don't know. That being said. What I failed to tell you in the beginning of this episode was this is not going to be the end. Hannah Up hasn't only gone missing once. She hasn't gone missing only twice. Hannah Up has been missing three times. Before this time? No. This, After this This time. was the first time. So let's go through the next two disappearances. Yeah. She got new roommates and to give them the code words, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So it is said that the first incident and the coverage of it made Hannah embarrassed. She, she said it was so much that she thought about moving away and changing her name. That's how much it was, which I imagine is probably true. You have a woman who was lost in New York City for almost three weeks being seen, but not being her, but it's her. And she's got such a rare... I can see how you would be embarrassed. I but, can see that. So the coverage on it. And yeah. on top of that, you got people like <laughs> newspapers saying she tried to commit suicide by going into the water. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's got to be anxiety yeah. and embarrassment. And, you know, probably gonna, people were probably rude being like, no, no, no. She did this. She this knew what she was thing. doing. She knew. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. Right. So, but again and again, when I first started this episode and telling it to you, you thought maybe she was going off. I did. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's where my mind went. Yeah, well, who's winning? Yeah. So, instead, she just moved in with her mother, staying for three years with no incidents. Hmm. Not one. But then she moved again. So, by September 2013, five years after the first incident in New York City, she had moved 244 miles away to Kensington, Maryland. Okay. Although she stayed with her name, Hannah Up. She didn't change her name like she wanted to or thought she should. She had begun a new life and was just getting ready to begin a new job at Crossways Montessori, Montessori school. school. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a Montessori. I had no idea what that school was. Oh, it's pretty much you learn by play. Right. So according yeah. to an article that I found on usnews.com written by Rhonda France, mm -hmm. a Montessori school is an environment with plenty of materials for hands-on learning yeah. and children are encouraged to focus on and often stick with activities that pique their interests. Mm -hmm. This stands in contrast to traditional schools, obviously, where students in the same grade generally move through a structured... It's not like... We have math. We have English. We have right. the, it's. I've, I've, I've never heard of this, but I'm like, I bet, huh? My nephews, uh, I, uh, my brother Courtney has uh, twins, mm -hmm. twin boys. They went to Montessori school. And I believe my niece, my brother Emery's daughter, who's in her 20s now, I think for a short time she went to Montessori school. Interesting. Interesting. It's not for everybody. Right. But well, that's probably why it's not. I think neither is Common Core, but you this know. generation is is. Uh, I could see this generation yes. doing that. Yeah, Montessori school schools view children as explorers with different interests, recognizing that not all children learn in the same way. France also gives some history, saying Montessori education was created by Maria Montessori. Oh, 
the first female physician in Italy, whose work in a psychiatric clinic in the late 1800s drove her interest in child development. So that's just a little history on that for those of you who have no idea what it was like me. But on the first day of classes, Hannah Up was nowhere to be found. First day of classes. There's a lot we don't know about the second disappearance, but here's what I could piece together. All right. Again, Hannah stopped using her cell phone. She stopped answering texts or calls. She had canceled plans with her mother for lunch on Monday, September 2nd, 2013, which was a Tuesday. Nope, that was a Monday. On Tuesday, September 3rd, she was a no-show to the first day of her new job. However, according to NBC Washington, she was last seen just before 8 a.m. near Kemp Mill Road on Glen Allen Avenue in Maryland. So I'm unsure of who saw her. It could be just like a camera picked her up somewhere. Right. But it said she was walking away from the school, which is odd because she actually lived on the same grounds as the school. So was she like going out for another run? But she was, and they thought it was weird because it's 8 a.m. Maybe that's around like class time. So Hannah's mother, Barbara, got a phone call from the police and her friends and her mother drove to Maryland to look for her in the woods and put up flyers around town. Why do they just go to the woods? Just they discovered that she hadn't slept at her apartment the night before. Oh. In the previous 24 hours, no one actually had talked to her. Like, they hadn't had spoke to her. Does she have roommates? Mm, I do believe so. Okay. Yes. It was actually only a few days later, after an intense search, when Hannah's belongings, consisting of her cell phone and her purse, were found laying in a wooded area, like on a trail. But Hannah was nowhere to be found. Oh, my gosh. So, Hannah... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the groundwork here for you. Hannah found herself in a creek in Wheaton, Maryland. That's about a 45-minute walk from the school in Kensington. Oh, my gosh. It was a footpath where she was. So I'm assuming, like, some sort of, like, walking trail, and yeah. she just ended up in the creek. So two days later, on September 5th, Hannah seemed to come to from her episode. So a shorter episode. Still. Hannah had been seen... Or had been sitting in a creek with a shopping cart nearby when she snapped out of her episode. And it was around 10.30 p.m. when she walked towards some commercial buildings and asked for a phone. She called her mom and only said, Mom? That was it. And then hung up? Well, I'm sure they had some sort of. But, I mean, she just came out of an episode. She was just like, Mom? Oh my like, gosh. hello? It. I don't know what's happening. She probably didn't know what's happening, she remember? Was- Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. She's probably so confused. So that's really all we know about the second disappearance. Um, However, in an article from the New Yorker, there's an interesting paragraph that I kind of want to read directly. Okay. It says, after the Maryland disappearance, Barbara said that friends asked her, couldn't you put a chip in her like you would a schnauzer? The police in Maryland, (laughs) they wanted a microchipper. The police in Maryland had proposed using, like, a type of ankle bracelet designed for people on house arrest. I don't know how they would do that. No, because she could usually taken it off. Well, yeah, that. And, like, don't you have to have, like, boundaries? Can't Is that put her on house arrest? What if she goes in the ocean? 
So Hannah didn't want to pursue it. She refused to be defined by this. I would too. And I chose to honor her decision, Barbara said. I had to be clear that I'm not living my daughter's life. She's living it, and she needed to have the freedom to make choices. I don't understand for though. I don't understand the house arrest bracelet on the. No, that was the dumbest idea ever. Because I'm pretty sure the boundaries are like your house. How is she supposed to house arrest? They're gonna just set it to the school, and she can't go anywhere else in life. That's crazy. Can they get her an aid? Somebody to follow her around. Uh, she should have a dog. Well, right. So, why they didn't just say, "Oh, she has a cell phone." turn the damn location on but she always left it back at home yeah, so one. who's to say that she's not going to take off a house arrest bracelet yeah. or dig a chip out of her yeah unless she didn't know where the chip was but then you get those people who think there's chips in them there's no chips in them or is there the government is always listening always hello uh, so after the disappearance in 2013 hannah stayed in maryland for about a year before moving again Oh, where'd she move this time? This time, she moved to St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Yeah, girl. I know, right? That's 1,604 miles from her previous home in Maryland. So this move... Why did she... Why, do you know why she chose her what letter to the what? islands? What? Why would she want to move there? What What caused her to move? I... I, I mean, I think she just likes that kind of environment. Because okay. remember in the beginning, right. her, her friend, friend was said. like, she really liked the ocean and she loved St. Thomas. So she moved to the East End in an apartment that had a view of the British Virgin Islands and she called it her island palace. That's cute. That is cute. Again, she began working at a monastery school. After a year there, the school paid for her to take summer classes in a training center in Portland, Oregon. Oh, Okay. So that way she could eventually become a certified person and, like, lead in her own classes. Nice. One of the school's directors, Norma Bollinger, said she totally absorbed the monastery theory to the point where I could see her becoming a mover and a shaker in politics and trying to get monastery into schools globally. So, I mean, that just says Hannah was... She was this very was passionate. Her, this was her calling. This was her thing. On September 6th, 2017, a week after she began her fourth year teaching at the school, Hurricane Irma swept through the island. Oh, no. She and her roommates huddled in a laundry room of their apartment. The wind reached 185 miles an hour and shattered one of their windows. Oh, my gosh. One by one, power lines snapped and smacked the roof of the building. Could you imagine? No, I don't want to imagine. How that. does like 185 mile per hour winds don't just pick up the damn island and move it? Uh, like, right? Serious? Right? <laughs> How is it staying there? Is it floating? Does the does it have roots? Does the roots go in into the ocean ground? how is an island wait continents like how i don't understand how we're just here is there ocean underneath the continent i don't know that's what i'm saying does the continent have roots roots i don't know it's not a freaking tree (laughs) but could be i don't know i am sure it's i don't know that's you got me questioning things and people are gonna think we're stupid (laughs) people are gonna you know it i'm gonna hear it from james i'm just gonna say james Um, we're idiots. Leave us alone. 
We're a different breed. Okay. You've seen a Shanda. Okay. Yeah. Don't question anything anymore. I just pulled a crouton out of my pants. So. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't mention the marshmallow bush. Or the french fry casings. Oh you shut your face when you talk to me. Let's get back to Hina up. This is all stuff that, you know, Shanda, you if you guys ever have Shanda. any questions for us about anything that was just brought up, then you email us. Okay, well, or, we got you. Or just pretend none of that happened. <laughs> the next morning, the island was in devastation. Uh, yeah. Hannah texted her friends to inform them that she was safe, but said that she did not recognize a thing. She walked out and was like, what in the hell is this place? That's got to be terrifying. What do you do? How do you... You start all over. I guess. Six days after the storm, Hannah drove to the house of her ex-boyfriend, Joe Spallino. Spallino. Everybody's got super hard names. Why? Why do we do this? I don't know why we do this. He's a scuba instructor on the island. However, all of his, all of his things were gone from his apartment, and it was just cleared out. His cleared land, out? Yeah. Or like the hurricane did it? Or no, he cleared out. Oh, this was a few days before, a few days after. After. Okay. Six days after the storm. His landlord said that Joe had rushed to the marina to get the hell out of there on a mercy ship. And he didn't take his girl? They were exes. Yeah, but still. He was exes. So the mercy <laughs> ships were giving people free rides off the island. Like, So why was he racing now that the storm's over? Well, because a second storm was headed right for them. Hurricane Maria. The second Category 5 storm was set to hit the island the following week. That's two in a row. Could you imagine? No. How is the island standing still? So, in true romance form, Hannah raced to the marina to say goodbye to her ex, Joe. It was there that Joe was waiting to board a cruise ship to Puerto Rico. They ended up talking for hours before Joe finally said, what if you come along? I don't know. I'm not I'm not buying this. <laughs> Hannah seemed to seriously think about it for a moment, but then ended up declining and was not leaving with him. After Hannah left the marina, she once again never used her phone. Oh, no. She went to another state. <gasps> that same night, Hannah's three roommates told her that they were all getting ready to leave the island. Pretty much just like everybody else. Hannah seemed to refuse to leave, citing that she needed to stay for the school. Oh, my God. That's dedication. That's, yeah. It was the very next morning that one of her roommates watched her climb into her car after saying she was headed to the school. However, she never showed up there. The next day, there was a faculty meeting. Hannah was not present for it. Maggie Guzman, a friend of Hannah's on the island, called everyone she could think of on the island and in the States, but no one had spoken to Hannah for the last three days. So, with this being the third time that this has happened, people told Maggie, look near the water. She was found in the water in New York City. And the creek. She was found in the creek. Now we got to look near the water. You live on an island. There's water all around you, honey. You're all around you. If you live on an island, there's still streams and creeks, right? That go through the island. Maybe it depends on what kind of island and how big it is. I don't know. I imagine. I have no idea. Hmm. You're asking the wrong person. I've only been to Mexico once. That's that's really all we have. Okay. So sidebar. 
It was said that Hannah found her freedom at the ocean. And she was actually seen the same day swimming in it for hours. Oh. So the same day that she went missing. So Maggie enlisted some other friends to help her search a beach called Sapphire, which I think sounds like a great beach. I want to go there. Oh, I Googled it. It's probably because the water is just that color. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So this was where, this was Hannah's favorite beach, and she was often seen snorkeling there. So near the water, there was a small bar that served, like, hamburgers and mimosas, which just sounds like a dream to me. Yeah, for sure. On a stool. You don't like mimosas? I don't really like alcohol. You already knew that. Yeah, I did, but we're just going to pretend because I still don't get it. So (laughs) on a stool, they found Hannah's sundress, her sandals, and her car keys. Workers said that they had discovered the belongings in the sand when they were clearing debris from the storm. So Hannah's car was in the parking lot, and inside there was her purse, her wallet, her passport, and her cell phone. Given Hannah's strength as a swimmer, because it said, I mean, swimming for hours in the ocean, yeah. could you imagine? Her friends assumed that she could survive for several days in the water. At, what, floating and bobbing? Like, castaway? I'm, I mean, he even built a raft. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could do that. You think so? I know so. I would be terrified. I'd be eaten quickly. I, I would be terrified of what's underneath me that I can't see. Yeah. Or feel. But the swimming and the floating part, easily. Oh, I could probably do that. Easily. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, panic might set in, but I'd be okay. So by boat, they searched the shoreline and small islands nearby where the current might have taken her. The Coast Guard sent three helicopters to help in the search efforts, while her friends also checked, like, the manifests of people evacuating on Mercy ships right. just to see if maybe she finally decided to go because right remember all her roommates left her ex left like people were leaving she was not listed anywhere so after three days they had to call off the search why they had to prepare for hurricane oh, Maria. the next one was coming in so this hurricane brought heavy rain to the island and of course more devastation so however when the storm subsided an emt named jacob bradley he had, he had, like, set up a makeshift emergency medical service station on the island. He organized another search. Oh. So, ideally, if Hannah had drowned, her body would likely float to the surface within a few days. There's nothing weighing her down. Right. The search was extended to the shore where Jacob canvassed the airport, the homeless shelters, the beaches, the hospitals. He interviewed captains who came in and out of the marina. He even went to the morgue just to cover all his bases. Of course. Um, There were 10 unclaimed bodies there. Oh, my gosh. None of them were Hannah. Well, that's good. Right? That's good. That's a good sign. I mean, at this point, like, where could she be? The last person saw her in the ocean. Hannah's mother arrived on the island on November 21st, more than two months after Hannah went missing. This is the longest she's been... Yeah. Yeah. She drove Hannah's car, which was a black Suzuki, whose back window had been blown out by Hurricane Irma. Uh, She went to Hannah's favorite beaches, the restaurants, the shops, and she said, 
I do have the sense sometimes that she's just around any corner. So Barbara talked to Hannah's friends and colleagues. She's just trying to piece together the last interactions. Just like her first disappearance, people claimed to be seeing Hannah around. On January 23rd, two caseworkers at the Bethlehem House Shelter for the Homeless in downtown St. Thomas reported they had just seen Hannah at an abandoned building where people often smoked crack. (gasps) Barbara and a detective from the Virgin Island Police Department drove to a peach-colored, crumbling, three-story structure close to Market Square. Like, just this thing in shambles. A produce market that was once the site of, like, the largest slave auction in the world. Oh, lovely. So they climbed a steep flight of concrete steps that had no railings. The detective reached the third floor and saw a woman. He told Barbara, I thought, my God, that's her. My heart was beating. I grabbed her right away and handcuffed her. The woman was thin with like light brown hair and a bun. Barbara reached the top of the stairs like a minute after the detective had done all this and then told the detective that's not her. So a Facebook page and a GoFundMe had been set up to help with the search efforts to find the missing Hannah. Um, I'm going to be posting those pages in the source notes. In In September of 2022, it will be officially five years since Hannah's been missing. So this coming September... Yeah, she's still not found. Oh, my gosh. Her friends and family still hold out hope that she will be found in one manner or another, unfortunately. They're thinking like that, you know, like any answer is now an answer and she's not missing, which really, I imagine, just sucks to get to that point. Like, if she's dead, I hope we find her, even if she is dead, so that yeah, we can, like, I would want to lay her to rest and not wonder if she's just out there. So if you have any information on Hannah's whereabouts, please contact the Virgin Island Police Departments at 340-772-5605. I have goosebumps because this is like the first episode where we've done this and she's just out there. That's dead and, or alive. And, and you know, she was in one of those episodes. So she may have gotten on a boat and nobody even knew. She, she could, could be in the states. She could. She could. She could be eaten by a shark at this point. Uh, she, anywhere. Anywhere. Um, you can also contact private investigator Steve Wagner at S Wagner. That's S W A G N E R at S H E R A W A S S. O-C-I-A-T-E-S dot com. Or you can call at 724-591-0675. So I do have those questions that I think everybody, even her friends and family have. Did she drown in the ocean? Did she die in the storm and get swept away? Did she make it off the island altogether? And is she living somewhere else? Is she completely still in a fugue? Has she woken up anywhere? Is she living on a different island? Because the islands, there's different islands. So it's, is she on one of those? 
There's so many. What do you what What are your thoughts? She's been missing. This year will be five years. Like, what are your thoughts? The last time anybody saw her was in the ocean, and that I think that's what worries me. It's the ocean. And there was already a hurricane that came through, and one on its way. No, no, no. The other one already came through. So both of them had her. Yeah. I meant the day she went missing. Yeah. The hurricane hadn't come through then, right? I'm. I we'd have to go back and check. I can't remember. But what either time. way, two hurricanes came through. So, yeah. if she was in the ocean, <sighs> yeah, it's it's a lot. It is. It is. It is a lot. Yeah. No. I think. I think the second hurricane came through after she was missing. I'm pretty sure. I think so, it happened like but she's never within been days. Gone this long. No, this is five years. This That's is. She's only gone missing three times. The first time was 19 days. The second time was only a couple days. And now it's been five years. I don't like to say it. I don't think. I hate to say it. I don't. I don't think there's hope in finding her alive. But if by some chance, like maybe this is the longest fugue state she's ever had. Or that maybe anybody has ever had. I don't know if there's a recorded time that people have been in a fugue state for years or a year it's i i don't think there's i don't think there's a time limit on how long a few state lasts whenever it ends ends and they just wake up so i mean but i think it really worries me that the last place she had been seen is swimming in an ocean so i think that's really concerning to me clearly i mean i don't think i out of a fugue state she was not leaving that island didn't sound like it. She had, she had been offered. Yeah. She had been offered. She was staying for the school. Yeah. So, but in a fugue state, if she doesn't know who she is, which she didn't in New York City, she's like, who the heck is Hannah and why is everybody looking for her? So if she doesn't know who she is, maybe she would leave. Exactly. But how did she get away? They've checked all of the, did she swim to, how far is it to swim from St. Thomas to the States. Not only that, but if she didn't know who she was and she sees all these other people leaving to get off the island, she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't want to have to tell people she doesn't know who she is. So maybe she tries well, to right. sneak so, onto a boat. So if she got onto a boat, like, did you need, <laughs> like, what kind of documentation did you need for that? Like, did you need documentation or did you just go, hey, my name is Joe Smith? Right. Because then she doesn't know her name's Hannah. She could have given, given any name. So, I don't know. But if you know anything about this. Please um, call. There are people out there. I will post the that little bit that I wrote about if you have any information on her whereabouts with the numbers and names and emails. I'll post that in the show notes as well as we'll post it on the Instagram. Yep. I'll make I'll make Hannah. I'll make Amanda post it on the Instagram. And we'll post it on the Facebook because, yeah. you know, her family is missing her. And that's, I mean, I can't imagine. I, and if she is alive and she doesn't know who she is, she's missing her. She don't even know it. She don't even know she's missing. Yeah. yeah. Could you? Oh, my gosh. So oh my I, gosh. I, I hate to say I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, but I, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode because I was highly intrigued by it when I first yeah. heard about it in that three minutes. Go on and follow on TikTok Avery After Dark because kudos to her for bringing attention to this case because now we were able to cover it and give a little more attention to it. And, you know, hopefully they find some peace 
in an outcome. Yeah. I mean, in any outcome that comes their way. So And we could bring awareness for this particular what do you call it? Disease? The v- yeah, or, the yeah. You know, bring awareness that this is a real thing. This is a thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, and again, not everybody has it. It's one point eight percent. That's rare. a very, very rare thing. So yeah. But you know, join us next week and uh come back and Hear what else we got to I know, because I've got a couple cases up my sleeves. Up my sleeves. We'll be traveling. This was this was our case. This was a case that we, we traveled quite a few different places. Yeah, we did. In one case. So. I like that, though. That's good. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. That's a great story. <laughs> See you next episode.